Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, April 22nd, 2022. This episode of the Ether is brought to you by Orbital Command. Have you heard of TDX? Listen, Orbital Command is putting together the TerraDAP Expo on June 9th and 10th in Austin, Texas. Not Boston. I know, that's what I thought. Austin. Austin, Texas. Come get doxed IRL and share merriments with all of your favorite fellow lunatics and lunatics. For more information, go to TerraDapExpo.com or hit the menu item on the site right here on TerraSpaces.org. And as always, be sure to check out Orbital Command online at OrbitalCommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. Today on the Ether, the Lil Gaines AMA with eMoney. Let's take a listen. Welcome. Welcome, uh, Clay. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. I'm excited to hear about some e-money, and I, I looked at the chart the other day. I saw, I think, a post from Haas, and and I uh, saw the chart for e-money, and I was like, "Wow!" So, congratulations to any big e-money holders. But um, yeah, I've been learning a little bit about it, uh, being in, involved with the Cosmos spaces. So uh, it's very interesting, and um, I'm I'm loving stable coins and and just how they work and like all the ingenuity going into them and like. Uh, how that's changing the the crypto like market in general. So very interesting. Super excited to learn about that today. So happy Friday, everybody, and uh, excited to learn. Happy Friday, Clay. What's going on, everyone? Hey, hey, Haas. Welcome, dude. Yeah, stable, stable coins are clutch. I mean, basically, humans are, are always going to spend money. So, I mean, you need stable coins, and you need, you know, revolutionary-type stable coins, too. So I think that's what e-money has. Oh, yeah, we're going to learn all about them today. So, hey, everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, today's the eMoney AMA. Um, I'm Gaines. I got Haas here as a co-host. So let's get this started. Um, we'll start by doing some introductions. So, Henrik, if you could please just introduce yourself here to the Cosmonauts, and then we'll go with Shalini after that. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my name is uh, Henrik Ostel. I'm a co-founder of eMoney. Um, I've been uh, working on eMoney since uh, 17, I believe, uh, where we started out with my co-founder, Martin. Um, and um, I have a background in a, as a software engineer, and I've been working as a consultant for a lot of uh, financial companies and banks and stuff like that. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's interesting to be in crypto and see everything get uh, reinvented in good and bad ways. Bellini <laughs> there. Thank you, Henrik. Yes, I'm here. Would you like to give us an intro? Yes, for sure. So I'm Shalini Bird. I am currently the Chief Marketing Officer for eMoney. So basically responsible for driving strategy and marketing communications for the project on a global scale. 
my background, I would say I've got about 15 years of experience in marketing communications for tech products. Uh, I've worked with uh, several Fortune 100 companies such as Honeywell. Uh, having said that, since uh, 2019, I've also been uh, lecturing at the Utrecht University uh, in the Department of uh, Creative Business. Uh, at the Utrecht University in the Netherlands, I've contributed to uh, several development of uh, courses and uh, essentially also lectured on, on the ethos of decentralization and ecosystem approaches that is uh, transforming uh, businesses worldwide. Uh, since last year, um, I'm full-time working for eMoney, and I only go to the university to give guest lectures, uh, provided time permits, because <laughs> we are pretty busy. Yeah, so that's sort of me in a nutshell. Thanks. And like speaking about being busy, I it's been really hard to get you guys on a space because you guys have been doing a lot of traveling. So Henrik or Shalini, can you guys talk to us about those conferences that you guys recently have been going to? Yes, for sure. So we've been pretty busy. I mean, uh, we've been doing a lot of traveling, uh, a lot of networking uh, with regards to collaborating with projects. So we've done the Avalanche conference. We have the Dev Connect and the ETH conference happening in Amsterdam right now. And uh, I mean, as we all know, like most teams in the blockchain space worked in a pretty decentralized environment and uh, teams are sort of spread across the globe. So it was really nice when we go and attend these events to really have a face to the Telegram handle. So it's really nice to meet people in person. And we've had some very good productive meetings and a lot of which sort of we will be unveiling some great news and developments. So I would really say that watch the space. There's a lot more to come from us. Gotcha. I was just going to say, if you could, you know, provide us with a little bit of alpha, but I guess we just got to stay, you know, in touch with you guys. So looking well, forward to that. I think, Henrik, we can talk about the... Um, uh, soon the avalanche bridge and uh, also the fact that we're going to soon are uh, creating some pools on uh, trader joe right that would be this would be the first forum we would be discussing this <laughs> yeah sure uh, yeah i mean we're we're, uh, we're working with the uh, excellent network to to bridge uh, to other networks which we're very excited about uh, so that will get us uh, good access to avalanche and uh, and uh, yeah a number of other networks so uh, as shalini mentioned uh, that we'll hopefully be creating pools on uh yeah hopefully it's trader joe's very soon but i guess announcements will be coming out in the new, near future but uh yeah it's a little tidbit uh, for for this uh, custom space <laughs> for, for the people tuning in you kind of threw my thunder right there i was actually that's what i was gonna th uh step in and ask you guys about your relationship with axler i was on their uh axler scan.io last night and i seen uh, i was on a random show with a different uh blockchain but I was asking them about some things, and then I went on Axler, and I seen that you guys are on Air Phantom, Moonbeam, Avalanche, obviously Osmosis, Ethereum, Cosmos, and Polygon. So I'm assuming that you guys are going to have the, um, you know, the MGM, especially the Eora token, pretty readily available throughout all those ecosystems. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's happening. Like uh, we we've been working with the Axela team on integration and uh, for the past few weeks. And yeah, I mean it's been uh, it's been quite a good experience. I mean it's super easy once you if you already have IPC, it's uh, pretty much plug and play. So it's yeah. very exciting. That's I've been a big fan of them since I found out about Axler. Actually, I wrote like a piece a while ago. Whenever like the um, Osmosis is doing their bridge uh, prop 
props right now. And that was like my uh, go-to because they build it from the ground up with Cosmos SDK. And, and I, uh, I get a little wary of some bridges. So like that, I just feel more safe with, with that being our solution to bridge to these other ecosystems. So that's, that's kind of my choice. Yeah, for sure. I read through that proposal for osmosis. And I mean, I think they made a very strong, uh, strong argument in their own favor uh, for using them. I mean, I didn't dive in so much to any competitors. I actually don't know who who that might be, but their synopsis and proposal was uh, very convincing, I think. Nice. So like for people out there that are a little bit newer to like IBC and and maybe they haven't heard of you guys, I don't know if you want to try to do like a high level overview of what you guys offer and what makes you guys stand out and unique with your, your, um, you know, your stable coin and what you guys got going on. Yeah, so um, like the the bird perspective, bird's eye perspective is that we're doing stable coins. We're doing asset backed stable coins, so that means that they are backed by by money in a bank account somewhere. Uh, we focus at the moment on European stable coins, so we have uh, offerings of uh, euro and Swiss franc and the Scandinavian currencies. Uh, we're spending quite a lot of effort on. Uh, on being compliant and all this uh, rather boring non-tech stuff um, that which means that uh, I feel like we we have a good chance of being sustainable for a long haul in the long future um, even with changing legislation across uh, different jurisdictions yeah I mean that's the thing that people you know they they don't realize that having regulatory compliance especially with stable coins is I mean it's just necessary it's only sustainable and People out there thinking that crypto is just going to erase any sort of, um, I guess, traditional money like completely. I think it, they're not on the right mindset because that's not they're not just going to give up. So, you know, it's great to have, you know, I always tell people crypto is essentially just technology. So we need to, to be able to uh, bridge traditional finance with decentralized finance and you can't just ignore them. So that's. It was probably intensive, and that's you know obviously I I wouldn't assume how many hours that you guys have to put into that to get some to get compliance with those guys. It's probably a lot of hours. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I I I rather agree. It's uh, I think crypto is getting to be way more than uh, than just technology. I mean, it's a uh, it's sociology and anthropology and especially law. A lot of legal stuff is uh, is coming our way. I think so. I mean, there are different philosophical ways to approach this and i also i find it super interesting with this with the stuff that are trying to create fully decentralized uh, things but there's also it's like a market for for everything i think and the more the more offerings we have in this area the stronger the whole crypto community becomes in my opinion it's a uh, it's important to also be sort of have many options and and choices in this area to not uh, rely on just one or two stable coins so that's uh kind of the philosophy we have so i, like, agree, I agree with you Haas. i think regulations is super important even if it's a slow and steady approach to everything in DeFi. i think it's important i mean it's definitely coming i mean i see at least uh, in europe and uh, the us there's a lot of uh, legislative uh, saber rattling that uh, whether we want it or not, uh, a lot of us will have to to um, like um, have an opinion on it and uh, <laughs> and uh, 
yeah, maybe adhere to it. Probably adhere to it as well. So that's uh, that's there's some interesting years ahead of us in that regard. So Henrik, uh, I forgot I was just about to ask you. Can you can you tell me what the difference for for those out there? Because a lot of people they're familiarized right now with like the the Luna and UST burning me- mechanism because it's like an algorithmic stable coin. Can you tell us the difference between that? type of scenario and also like a collateralized stable coin yeah yeah i can try i mean uh it's two very different products in my opinion uh like this collateralized stable coin means that there is uh, essentially money in the bank for for complete redemption of uh, of all the tokens right it's fully backed uh, we pr- and we provide a regular proof of audits to like a to certify to the community that uh, we actually do have the the, the money to back it up. Uh, algorithmic stablecoins are like a, there's so many variants. Um, they're super interesting, and I mean it's obviously difficult to ignore uh, stuff like Luna and that ecosystem. Um, I, I yeah, I might become unpopular now, but I think it still has to prove that they are sustainable in a way. I don't know that. Uh, Stuff like a twenty percent API is uh, is something that can last uh, for a long time, but um, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, I don't think the twenty percent is going to last much longer. I think they're just no, doing, I mean, they're just yeah. doing that to get people on board, basically. And then you know, it's definitely going to go down. But I, I, it, I would have still imagined that it would definitely be better than just putting your money in the bank still, even you know, twenty, ten, fifteen years from now, if it's still everything's going the way that that it's been going, but. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I think Anchor Protocol is planning to lower it to, I mean, still 15% is uh, quite solid. So yeah, if they can keep that up, then uh, that's quite a success. So um, I don't know, Gaines, if you wanted to, to, to hop in, because I, yeah. I know you wanted, we want to talk about like your, the history and everything. But yeah, yeah. I personally would like to get like, um, like, I guess like, uh, a quick uh, background on like how this all started with eMoney. So if you don't mind, just tell us like the early days of eMoney and how everything got started. Yeah, sure. Um, my co-founder Martin, he uh, had a he has a past where he was doing FX trading, algorithmic FX trading, and then he got into blockchain. He started getting interested in the blockchain technology and and joined the the Cosmos fundraiser back in I think was a sixteen seventeen. 16 and um he looked at the technology and found the whole proof of stake and instant finality to be really compelling so uh, he wanted to to do a project with that and uh well decided that stable coins uh, was uh, was something we we that the cosmos ecosystem would need when it uh, when it arrived so um we started it as a like evenings and weekends project in 17 and then went full time on it uh, in 18 when we could see some traction uh, coming along and the SDK maturing. And then, um, well, the time has been spent on, well, doing some technology development. Uh, we have our own mainnet, which has been running uh, since March 2020. Um, and also regulatory clarifications and explorations on how to do this in a way where that is legal and um, establishing banking partnerships and infrastructure like that and uh, auditing infrastructure things like that and uh, time passes so uh, we can we upgraded the mainnet last year in the autumn and um, connected to primarily osmosis where we created uh, some some pairs 
and uh, that has driven uh, quite a lot of demand for 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 the stable coins. So our issuance has grown from well about <laughs> something very small to about twenty million euro now. Uh, so we expect that uh, we hope to see that continue when we when we expand to to more DEXs around the various ecosystems. So Henrik, when you guys like first started up eMoney, did you initially plan on building with Cosmos SDK? Was that your first move or did you guys afterwards say, you know what, this is the way to go? I mean, both Martin and I are uh, developers. So, I mean, <laughs> technology was the first thing to choose <laughs> because of that. So it was, uh, it was uh, Cosmos SDK from the beginning. It was, um, I mean, what attracted us to that well, it was the proof of stake mechanism that I really like. Uh, it's also the instant finality where we were saying, okay, now it can actually, I mean, it could be used for like pretty fast payments and regular payments. And also the promise of uh, IPC, um, the whole idea of this ecosystem of interconnected chains where, you know, each chain could focus on, on, on its own aspect on delivering a, a service and then everyone else could take advantage of that, that service. So we were like, okay, let's be, the people doing uh, asset-backed stablecoins down here, and then uh, other projects can 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 utilize those across the ecosystem. And it's, um, I mean, it's really fascinating now that IPC has uh, has come out and seeing how it's uh, grown explosively. I would say, and uh, how many chains are connecting, and it's, it's been quite nice to to finally see this vision come true because we've been uh, looking, thinking about it for a while. <laughs> Nice. I always like hearing that story because a lot of, from both perspectives, I like I'm really involved with the secret network. It started off as Enigma. Enigma and they were going to initially build on Ethereum, and they just saying, okay, this isn't sustainable, and they they made the move over. I know DP, DVPN Sentinel did the same, and I'm not quite sure. There's going to be more, but yeah, it's always nice to hear that. And then also the people that see the vision right away, and that's just their their main choosing. And I I think that's going to happen more and more now. Any anyone out there that's developing, because not only that, you get like an instantaneous market effect because everything's connected. It's truly interoperable. Everyone always preaches about it, but it really is. I mean, you can just you know you connect in, and then you have access to all these different chains, and it's 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 nice to see. And I'm really looking forward to the future growth of it. I I, I get the more and more I think about IBC and everything, the more excitement I get. I know last night I was on a show. It was like for Voyager. It has nothing to do with IBC. But the guy asked me to come up on stage, and I started like hyping up like IBC, and then I get all these. <laughs> questions. I was getting all these questions. I'm like, it's just to me, it just doesn't make sense. Like, if you're a blockchain out there, um, you know, I think I want everyone to succeed, but to me, it just doesn't make any sense not to to you know enable IBC in one way or another. So, Henrik, what's yeah. one of the things that excites you the most about the, the way things are heading for the Cosmos ecosystem? I mean, it's seeing uh, all of these projects uh, emerge. Uh, it feels a little bit like a, a like a Cambrian explosion of uh, projects that are launching now. And I, I think, um, I mean, obviously a lot of them uh, have similar services. Like we're seeing a lot of DEXs uh, right now uh, emerging. But uh, I mean, this also forces them to be quite innovative, come up with features that uh, the others don't have or get an edge on the other ones, which I find super exciting. So um, following all that stuff is uh, is very interesting. And also the secret network you mentioned, I think is, uh, is quite interesting. Uh, like the way they've been able to build a whole ecosystem on, on that chain is, uh, is quite uh, remarkable. 
Thanks, Henrik. I'll let you get to the other question, Haas. Yeah, so speaking of like DAXs, uh, I'm not necessarily uh, worried about like all the DAXs in IBC, but you know, when we're talking about Axlar and all that, and I, heard, I guess I heard you guys say Trader Joe. I'm not real familiarized with a lot of ecosystems outside of IBC. And I'm actually, that's one of my like tasks over like the next like 30 days or so is to get more familiarized with all these chains that are basically either going to just use a temporary bridge solution or in the near future, they plan on, you know, like doing what like Terra did and, and, and enable an IBC and stuff like that. So what other DEXs out there? Uh, do you guys, besides like Trader Joe, and, and also like tell me about Trader Joe, because I, to be honest with you, I don't really know anything about Trader Joe that you guys plan on getting onto. It, Trader Joe's is uh, the biggest DEX on, uh, available in the Avalanche uh, ecosystem. It's a, uh, I'm a pretty, we're pretty big fans of uh, Avalanche as well, in addition to Cosmos, obviously. Uh, so, so we've been eager to, to, to bridge to that as well. Um, Regarding other DEXs, I mean, there's a number coming in in the Cosmos ecosystem. Like we we already have uh, Osmosis and Sift Chain, and we have Gravity DEX that is now moving to become Crescent, uh, their own zone. I think Comdex will soon be launching, and I I mean I probably forgot some. <laughs> they, they, it feels like uh, there's one coming every two weeks or something. Yeah, I know you guys have a pull on Juno Swap too. Ah, yeah, Juno Swap, of course, yes. I mean, there's a lot of um, engagement around that but that's true that they really managed to create a very engaged community it's very impressive so from my understanding there isn't any other stable coin that's based in europe is that correct or no is there any other ones <laughs> uh there are other coins but uh, they're all small the trouble there is with creating european stable coins is that the the interest rate of europe has been very low for for a number of years so it's actually been zero or close to zero. So when you start thinking about making European stablecoin, that's the first thing you discover. It's that, okay, shit, if I have a hundred million euro in a bank account, it's actually going to cost me money rather than earn me money. So how do I make this sustainable? Uh, the way we address that is to make the, make the stablecoins uh, interest-bearing. So our stablecoins, actually, they, they act more like a bank account then, then they do cash, so we are able to transfer the interest rate to to the token holder. Um, this has also allowed us to act uh, like a bank in another way, and that is uh, we can we can have this um, markup interest rate, and what we do with that is that we uh, use that to buy back and uh, burn NGM tokens, so which is our staking token. Uh, so you could say this uh, buyback effect becomes. Uh, Stronger and stronger, the more uh, the more tokens, uh, the more stablecoins we manage to issue. Henry, can you can you kind of explain that? Um, what are like the percentages of the uh, buyback and burn mechanism? Can you kind of? Yeah, so the buyback is uh, about uh, half a percent per year. So half a percent of uh, our issuance uh, is uh, is used to buy back and burn in gem per year. Um, that's a that's a very short version of it, and then uh, whatever bank uh, interest rate we can get is uh, transferred onto to to the end user. So what's interesting about this model is that it also it I mean it works in in all extreme interest rate scenarios, right? Like you you have Europe, which is very low interest rates, which are hopefully changing now. 
And but you can also have countries with uh, big weaker currencies where they have incredibly high interest rates. And normally, you, in a country like that, you would never keep your money in cash or in a stable coin of that uh, currency. But with the model we have that is interest bearing, where we're able to pass on the interest rate to the to the token holders, that actually still becomes uh, viable. You could uh, you could uh, hold the stable coins and and get the bank account interest on them. So I find that uh, that's a fairly compelling model, in my opinion. Yeah, just, so as more stable coins are collateralized, uh, then the more interest they uh, incur. I mean, th that's that's how much more NGM is going to get burned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a daily buyback on our mainnet where where people can sell their NGMs into and get the. Get the stable coins that I've accrued uh, from this interest mechanism. It's a continuous interest rate mechanism. So I mean, it's it's this half percent is uh, is uh, happening very slowly over like the whole year. Uh, yeah, I noticed it. I noticed it. I was checking out the website for eMoney, and I noticed that there was like a timer. Like how it's almost like an epoch, right? How, yeah, actually, how, yeah, how it is actually happened. an epoch. We used to, I mean, it used to be every hour, I think it was doing it, but then we got inspired by the Osmosis Epoch and said, let's do it uh, once a day and uh, make a small event out of it. So, <laughs> so every day it, it will show how much, uh, how much is available in the buyback pool and uh, how many NGMs are being burned. How, how many NGMs would you like to be seen burned every day? Like, what's your, <laughs> what's your ideal number? <laughs> uh, I mean... Um, in an ideal world, uh, the, we would have issued enough stable coins that the that the inflation mechanism of NGM for staking uh, that we burn more than than is printed from the inflation. That would be quite incredible, right? That would be incredible. I mean, what I what I like about this model is that it uh, it has a very direct value feedback, right? Uh, like so, we have it. It means that the stable coins are the foundation of it, and the staking tokens value is built upon this on top of the stable coins. So, I mean, uh, it doesn't matter what the value the, the staking token has; uh, the stable coins will retain their value. But on, but the staking token derives its value from the size of the issue, and so I think that's a very powerful um, sort of uh, independent, sustainable model. Henrik, I just thinking outside the box, and I think the future of like DeFi and stable coins also is the the way to least onboard directly from like your debit card or bank account. Do you guys have anything in the works for something like that? Yeah, uh, we are fairly close. Wow, this is going to get another pre-announcement. We're fairly close to having a credit card integration as well. Nice. Just, just, just to put this out there, this space is being recorded. So if there's some alpha that you don't want to be leaked, it, it's going to be recorded. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I'm aware <laughs> of that. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, yeah, I know the attention span of the crypto community well enough that I think it's. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Or like a bunch of children, adult children. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say it's. I mean, it, it's fun, and uh, I mean, it's amazing sometimes to see what's out there, but uh, it can also. It can easily turn toxic occasionally and uh, things like that, but uh, it's also a lot of fun and a lot of very fine people. With that being said, this is not financial advice. We're not telling you guys to go and buy NGM or their stable coins. It's just educational purposes. <laughs> so another thing too, uh, I know like 
borrowing lending is always kind of a big thing right now. It's kind of like the trend. Is there is there going to be anything in the future where you can uh, you know use like NGM as collateral, maybe borrow like twenty or thirty percent against it or anything like that? Uh, we, I believe, uh, we're in talks with that. There are some of the Cosmos DEXs that are working on creating uh, lending protocols and stuff like that. And we're talking to some of them. I mean, the exact maybe Shalini can correct me here. I think she's more part of that dialogue, but uh, it's um, yeah, I mean, so so something is, is uh, definitely coming in that direction. I'm not uh, certain okay. what exact shape it, shape it will take. Uh, so, but we'll see about that. Uh, but uh, it is something we hope to to have at some point. I mean, I think this also kind of demonstrates this um, ecosystem thinking that I really like. Right, that uh, that some some people create a lending protocol, and then we can come around and and use it like this. Uh, together, we become stronger and lift each other up. Uh, that is that's the cosmos uh, approach. I think I really like. Yeah, I was just thinking because we're. Uh like osmosis is like my baby and i know they're getting smart contracts and borrowing and lending can will be a thing eventually and i just figured like if i lived in you know like a european country and because of the, the, the bottom line is people want to spend money so they're always going to want to spend money it's never going to change and you need stable coins to do that so like maybe if i was traveling over you know in europe somewhere and and i'm, I'm like i need to get some you know get some funds basically that I could just borrow against like whatever collateral I have and get some e euros and then I could just spend it. You know, yeah. if you guys have a credit card or like a debit card or whatever, I could you could just load it up and borrow against it and then, you know, pay it back whenever. That, that's that's awesome. That would be incredible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's uh, the kind of future we we all want. I would say. Nice. Hey, Henrik, I got a question. Um, your uh, e money app. Uh, what what can what can you do with it? I mean, what are what are some features that you can uh, do with that app? I'm looking at the website here right now. There's like a swap. How does that, how does all that work? I mean, actually, uh, we have a <laughs> we also have a Dex that we built uh, long ago. It's a it's it's not a AMM. It's a traditional limit order book. Um, it's not something. It's not a product we're really spending a lot of effort promoting, but it is being used uh, for the buyback. Of NGM buyback and burn, that mechanism is using uh, is using our decks for that. So it's a uh, it's uh, constantly putting orders in for NGM in that decks and uh, and then burning whatever it buys. Wow, um, and you guys also have a bridge here. I'm looking at the website, and if anybody wants to check out this website while we're speaking, I pinned it here to the top of the space. Um, there's a bridge to Avalanche, um, yeah. Ethereum. Uh, just a just a few others in the IBC Cosmo Hub Osmosis Sif chain. Yeah, so I mean uh, these uh, the ones that go to EVM based uh, protocols they are based on our own like proprietary bridge, but we'll be migrated to uh, XLRY next week basically. So that's uh, going to be interesting. The Osmosis Cosmos Hub Sif chain, all those uh, that's uh, that's IBC connections, native IBC connections. Wow, uh, another one that's coming soon is Eldoran, Elastos, Elrond, and Polygon. Yeah, that's uh, that's wow. the roadmap we have. Uh, so, I mean, the 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 whole idea is that stablecoins should be kind of a ecosystem agnostic, in my opinion, right? Like, uh, you, you don't care if you have USDC or whatever on on Tron or Ethereum; they they're pretty much the same product. So, I mean, bridging and interoperability is like a core part of 
our uh, our model. And how? Sorry, how does eMoney plan to like um, increase the amount of stable coins across all these networks? That's that's a ton of networks. Yeah, I mean, essentially, like bridging to a network is so to say the easy part, right? After that, we need to to seed liquidity on various, like make them tokens available in, in each ecosystem, which is usually about seeding liquidity on uh, on DEXs. So, like the strategy we have now is to, when we connect to a network, we'll hopefully seed liquidity to uh, on a DEX AMM with uh, whatever local token uh, is available. So. On Avalanche, we'll be doing it with uh, Wrapped AVAX, uh, E-Euro, uh, things like that. So that would be the strategy. I mean, of course, this is um, like uh, partially limited by uh, by how much uh, ammunition we have in the in our market making capabilities, so to say. So so we're also working on uh, on increasing that. So like, since we can't uh, just print our own money, we need to have them back in a bank account. <laughs> yeah, that's totally understandable. It's Definitely want to, you know, stick to your guns here where it would be in the fully collateralized stablecoin platform. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's all about uh, creating trust in the platform and making sure that uh, we are like the trustworthy, reliable uh, choice for for these things. That's uh, that's our goal. Like the essentially, you could say we, we hope to be the USDC of uh, Europe down the line. Gotcha. And um, I, I got a question here on Twitter, if you don't mind answering it. Um, here it goes. Is eMoney going to support non-EU currencies in time? If so, which ones? I mean, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, we really hope to do that. Uh, like, there's a huge demand for US, US dollar. I mean, uh, a lot of the crypto people essentially can't understand why there's no US dollar. So. Like uh, that's the only currency they they can relate to. So I mean, uh, I can see that as a as a goal for us to issue that uh, down the line. It's um right now it also hinges a lot on uh, what our banking partners can provide us with, and of course, uh, like uh, the legislation um, in the in in the jurisdiction where the currency is issued. So the US, you could say that. Uh, Regarding stablecoins right now, it's a, it's kind of a fluid situation, right? So there's a slight risk that if we started issuing US dollars today, that we would have to change something significant in like uh, six months because it seems to be moving rather fast at the moment over there. Uh, but it's something we should keep an eye on and definitely have as an ambition to issue uh, more stable co- uh, currencies. But down in the, right now, I would say our focus is on the euro, which is uh, by far the one that has most see, sees most demand as well. So I'm not real familiarized with like investing in like European countries with like uh, bonds and all that. Is that a big thing over there? Bonds? Uh, yeah, there's a pretty big bond market. The reason why I asked that, I, I just always see like America. Uh, I don't know, being slow to that because that's the last thing that they would want. You know, some huge corporation that has a bunch of assets on on basically standby for them to start getting into just like stable coins because, you know, they they, they want you to buy their bonds. I don't the bonds are just bad. They're, you can't make really much of anything on bonds. So I think uh, I think bonds are primarily used as some kind of uh, parking vehicle for for capital, right? That's my that's my impression of it, at least. It's not somewhere you go to make a ton of money or 
a lot of gains somewhere you put your money and you're reasonably sure that uh, they will not diminish too much in value and that uh, <laughs> yeah that you'll get them back at some point that's bonds in my worldview um I mean, that's also uh, like part of our, our reserve will be kept in, in in like incredibly boring bonds, such as government bonds, uh, euro-denominated government bonds, which are incredibly boring instruments, but very secure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you need that. Uh, <clears throat> governments are going to be around forever. I mean, it's just the way it is. So that, that makes sense. I just didn't know what what their, what their intention is at the end of the day, because... I mean, if you're running a business, I don't know, you need to try to seek, especially uh, if you're a stock, you know, stockholders, they want to make more money. So it's like, why would you want to have a, a, a significant amount of your allocation into a bond when, you know, you could potentially get into crypto? I, I think, if, I don't know, what do you think your timeline is like whenever, I, I mean, I just think it's going to get mass adopted at some point. I just don't know when. What, what do you think? I mean, uh, we've always uh, been thinking that we're building for a future where payments and crypto is used by the mainstream, right? Like uh, our technology is also made in a way that you could actually, like we have that, what's called dynamic block time on our blockchain. So that means that if there's a tra transaction, a block will be created very quickly. So essentially transaction times on the blockchain are like half a second. So then you can, in a way, you can compete with supermarket uh, and credit card payments that way. Uh, so what we're hoping for is one day that um, like uh, blockchain payments will transcend DeFi and into the mainstream. So people will be using an app somewhere to pay for groceries and maybe they won't even know that there's a blockchain uh, somewhere in the background uh, running for them. I mean, maybe they don't care. Um, that future, I would say, is still quite far away. So it would be... Um, it would be dangerous to focus too much on that at this moment. So right now we're focusing on gaining a good uh, foothold in, uh, in crypto and DeFi. Yeah, I was. I always talk about that. I wonder how. Try to guess how many years that's away. But you know, in the future, I do feel like everything's going to be like a micro economy. Like everything's going to be. Yeah, I mean, MMS is like that right now with like different companies. They all have their, you know, their their own system of points, like travel, frequent flyer miles, and. Um, you know, you go to the gro I don't know over there. I'm sure they probably have it over in Europe too. But you here, you go to the grocery store and you get like kickbacks, and then you can go to your gas station and you get whatever twenty cents off a gallon. And like, I just think eventually everything's just going to be just a micro economy. Everything you know, every every currency is going to be whatever you can trade your mileage for this flight to go over to like osmosis to get whatever. Like, I just that that's the future that I see. I just don't know how long that's going to take, but. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, super interesting. I've seen that sort of thought uh, also from other people. Uh, I'm just, my my reservation with that thought is that uh, I think many companies would prefer not to make their loyalty points uh, tradable, essentially. They don't want them to be too liquid because that means uh, people would cash them in more, <laughs> essentially. So if you can suddenly trade your uh, flying, your your airplane uh, miles on, a, on decks, then... Um, they will be used far more, so yeah, the company would have to. The company would essentially have to uh, redeem them more often, which I guess is uh, not in their interest. It's a little bit like a gift card, right? Like they don't actually want you to use it. They, they make money. They make the money on uh, the gift cards that uh, never leave your fridge. <laughs> 
Well, that's one of the reasons that I'm like really uh, bullish on IBC in general is because like if you do have a company, you can you can basically build your own blockchain. It's open source on Cosmos. And, and in theory, you don't even have to enable transactions. Like, so you can build your own chain. And then if you guys want to, eventually you can enable it so you can do cross-train transactions. But uh, I just think there's going to, to me, if you were running a company and you're like, I want to get, a, I want to become, you know, crypto or I want to become a part of crypto or my own, my own chain. Like, I think people are going to just use cosmos because it's open source and you can have technically your own your own roles really and it's it's in crypto so yeah uh, it's true. Just... i mean one one barrier to entry for that is that you if you if you're going to have your own chain at the moment you would need to assemble a validator set and like uh, have a number of independent validators run the chain uh, hopefully with uh, there'll be shared security down the line um where where you can sort of rent a validator set, so that should make these things uh, far more easy to launch. But uh, like this, uh, bootstrapping your project uh, on on a validator set could be a little bit uh, challenging, I believe. Well, I was just mean like I think if you're a pretty well off company, you probably could just have your own validators, correct? Like you wouldn't even need to. You could just, I mean, they're they're all loaded. It's like oh, we'll just spin up like twenty validators or something. I don't, I don't know. I'm just thinking outside the box. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, then I guess you would have a challenge justifying like decentralization in a way. But uh, I mean, that depends also. Like, for example, you could say our solution. Um, I mean, it's the tokens distribution is is completely decentralized, right? But since we we need with this structure, we need to have a legal entity somewhere with uh, like uh, people running it and establishing banking relationships and stuff like that. So. So it's a more like a hybrid solution, right? Uh, it's not a completely decentralized thing. So I think, uh, yeah, that's um, that's that's an important point I think to to have. So thinking hey, about, uh, I was going to just go on one more thing. So like your the e euro, when you guys use Axler, like whenever it goes over to a different chain that's not IBC, is it just gonna is it gonna say AX EU? Excuse me, A X L E E U R. Is it just going to say E Euro? Uh, it's know? going to say E Money, E Euro. Like, um, I mean, down the line, there could be more chain, more bridges uh, in use for the chain. But right now, we've chosen to 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 brand the assets and other chains as just uh, like native tokens. So so they don't mention XLI, I believe, uh, the tokens on other. It's not that we don't want to mention them. Like we're very grateful to the project we are building, but it's um, it's sufficient to just say it's e-money euro uh, using yeah, their that's, contracts. That's one of the reasons too that I like the Axler because from like when I, de- I I dug into their their paper and like their background, and from my understanding, it was just basically you're going to be able to use their service, and essentially on the other end, unless you're really tech savvy or want to like know, you really won't even know that you're using Axler. So that's that's awesome because I'm not a big fan of like looking at different uh, ecosystems and seeing all these prefixes in front of it. I just think it gets confusing. I'm in it all day long, crypto, and it's like I try to always envision someone that's older that's not could barely use the computer, they could barely use Facebook. Like they're not going to know what's going on if if there are all these prefixes in front of everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's already enough confusion with uh, like withdrawing from exchanges sometimes if you want to withdraw USDT and or USDC and you get the uh, six different options for networks to withdraw them to. I mean, already there are people 
who are not crypto native uh, are facing challenges, right? Like, oh, what is, uh, <laughs> which one should I choose? So, uh, yeah, yeah sure. guys, I just wanted to reiterate uh, what Hendrik said that, you know, I think for us, our vision really happens to be that we want to be uh, the layer two for the financial sector. So we want to be the project that's going to bridge the blockchain with the traditional finance system. And therefore, a hybrid model is what needs to happen, and which is why decentralization in full mode would not really work. And therefore, you need a legal entity, you need lawyers, you need to work. We need to work with multiple jurisdictions and financial authorities to set that up. So, and this is a model that will go forward. And we as a project never go in and say, we want to disrupt banking, we want to disrupt finance. No, we want to actually be the layer two uh, for it to happen, if that makes sense. Yeah, that no, makes, it makes sense. complete sense. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's that's the only way going forward. Like as much as I love decentralization and all that, it would to me it's kind of naive to think like decentralization is going to completely wipe off like the banks and all that. It's just not the way it's going to be. I mean they they're not just going to give up. Like oh yeah, okay, you, you guys win, we're done. So I mean that's just just it's just common sense to realize that traditional finance is always going to be here. It's just that we need to build the tools to to bring them to the future, basically, and that's what that's what I honestly think you guys are doing. So, absolutely, and that is why you know, as a project, we are heavily invested in current and future compliance. You know, whether it be you know registered with the Danish FSA or having quarterly audits by Ernst & Young and having you know European banks actually hold the deposits of our stablecoin is sort of a testament of how we want to operate in a completely compliant and a transparent form so we can work with the banking sector for uh, this global expansion that all of us in the crypto space want to see is you know traditional finance meeting the blockchain space and leveraging the technology to uh, to scale and give people easy access to digital currencies across the world really thank you shalini that was actually uh I was actually going to ask that question, like how how is that going to look like in the future? But you you basically answered it. Um, and what what other what other ways uh, can people actually get NGM or their stable coins? I mean, we we talk a lot about like DEXs, but what about centralized exchanges for people that you know are used to those? Uh, the NGM token is available from uh, KuCoin and Ascendex, um, in addition to Osmosis. I would say right now the easiest way to get EURO uh, is to, is through Osmosis as well. We're working on uh, having credit card purchase for EURO in the not too distant future. And um, yeah, for, for really large uh, EURO acquisitions, we can also do OTC uh, trades. Yeah, so anyone listening out there, I mean, basically, if you haven't used Osmosis, all you need is mainly any uh, big tokens that you may have heard of, like Atom, Luna, um, even Secret. There's a couple others, basically, where you can buy it off of any, like, Coinbase and any of that. And technically, you can send it over to KuCoin and get it, but you might as well just send it over to Osmosis because it's a decentralized DEX, and then you can swap to NGM or EURO. There's quite a... There's a how many pools do you guys have on uh, Osmosis? I can't remember. Uh, I actually don't have a recent count. I mean, I think I believe there are two big ones, which are Euro uh, Atom and Euro Osmo. But there's also a Euro UST one, which I believe has like quite nice volume. Um, I mean, people like doing liquidity provision 
like doing uh, providing liquidity to pools for stablecoins. Uh, I think there's pretty good um, returns on that at the moment in that pool. I don't have an exact uh, count, um, but we do have market makers ensuring that the price of a euro is is uh, correct on osmosis. So, so that's rather nice. If anyone has any questions for the eMoney team, please, uh, you know, request to speak. We'll bring you up. But um, I got a few questions from um, Telegram, if you don't mind. Um, so again, I think we touched on this a little bit for the new, but for the new people that are joining in, how will it differ? How how do um, stable coins um, differ from other uh, types of uh, stable uh, stable coins that have like an algorithmic type mechanism? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean that's a long discussion. What the difference between algorithmic stable coins and uh, the, 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 there are a number of different uh, algorithmic stablecoin patterns, like a uh, Maker and Luna, and I saw Sol, what was it? Uh, Solana was doing one now, copying a model of Luna stuff like that, and then there are stable coins such as uh, USDC, USDT, where there is a num- there's money in the bank, and 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 with the with the second kind, right, with um, assets in a bank, and uh, that that backs that fully backs the issued coins. Thank you, Henrik. Thank you. So I just wanted to sort of uh, really sort of break it down in a layman's term. I think uh, Henrik already said that you know what makes us really unique is that you know our stable coins happen to be a dynamic peg which basically as he already said there's a slow moving exchange rate between the e-euro and the euro and our model allows us to transmit interest in the reserve what that really means in a really simple language is that in uh, countries where you have positive rate of interest you know if you're holding e-money stable coins you see that asset you see the interest in your wallet just like a bank account and in periods where there are or, or in countries where you have negative interest rate environment, the stable coins remain flexible and they don't break the peg. So this is sort of the only uh, e-euro stable coin in the space right now that can scale without breaking the uh, without breaking the peg. So basically making it uh, very uh, robust and uh, buoyant in times of extreme volatility in sort of no other way, no other stable coin can in, in our view. So it's really acting like a bank account. Yeah, losing a peg would be pretty scary for someone that has a ton of liquidity, right? So like that's that's the way I see these uh fully collateralized stable coins being some something very, very important for not just DeFi, but also um, you know, uh centralized exchanges. Uh, so you got any more questions for the team here? No, I mean, they, they did. You guys, thanks for stopping by. It was a great show. I mean, I learned a lot today and I'm sure other people did. And, uh, you know, anyone out there, I know a lot of people just like to tune in for like a podcast format. If you ever have any questions, you can ask me. And then if I don't, if I don't know the answer, I'll try to get back to you with the answer. Or you can ask right now and I'll uh, get back to you about that too. So, but yeah, thanks. that's. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, people also we'll feel to reach out to us. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, Henry. Just one more question. Uh, yeah. like, like looking out three to five years, what can we expect from e-money? I mean, uh, the goal is to have more on and off ramps from uh, blockchain to the real uh, financial system and increased issuance, increased presence uh, across many, many ecosystems, right? Uh, and and uh, platforms. So that's the, that's the, like, that's the overall goal. Hopefully we'll, I could also see a future where maybe we, we partner with, um, 
with some institutions that might want to break into blockchain and have them uh, work with us. That's uh, I think that would be healthy. So we could act as a, I mean, in general, I think having traditional finance into the blockchain space is a good thing. I know many people, like uh, Shadini mentioned, really want to reinvent everything and destroy the old world. But uh, I feel like if we have the traditional financial system into blockchain, it could sort of lift all boats. It would uh, strengthen the ecosystem. Um, so, I mean, we hope to be part of that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like I said, I think it's a little bit naive to think we're just going to destroy everything. It's I just I don't see a world like that, to be honest with you. I mean, I I come from a, a finance background and there's just so much money in finance. It's not like these people that, you know, a lot of them had, had this wealth for centuries, basically family to family, generation to generation. They're not just going to give up. So, yeah, would would they get into crypto? For sure. If you have a solution where they can make more money and save money on transactions and fees and like the way it's currently constructed with traditional finance, there's just too many people with their hands out basically taking fees off everyone. And and that includes, you know, people that are very wealthy. So, like, if you can mitigate that by giving them some sort of technology improvement, they're going to use it. It might take them some time to get there. But, yeah, especially with traditional that has, like, regulatory compliance like you guys do that, you know, it, when I see that, I just think of, like, that's around that's going to be around for a long time. Not, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I When I see regulatory compliance, I'm, I think. They're, you know, you're on pace to be here for a long, the, the long run. Basically, it's not you're just not just like here to hit and hit and run, so to speak. But, I mean, that's the ambition. Uh, thanks. Uh, um, I mean, it's also it's a it's not an, an easy place to be, right? Because it's a lot more fun to to just ignore the regulatory aspects and just run with it. Uh, but uh, I think um, if we need to, if we want the blockchain and DeFi to be sustainable for the long run we also need to we need to engage with the regulatory things because uh, they're coming and uh, the more bad stories we see around uh, crypto uh, in the mainstream press uh, the harder they will probably hit us with legislation down the road so absolutely Rick absolutely and also Henrik I feel like what's the point of being paper rich if you can't use it so if you have to use the money you have to be a compliant from a regulatory standpoint right mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm curious like how did how did eMoney sell the idea of of you know this project to the old school bankers like how, how did that even happen like so when I talk to you know when I talk to older folks about cryptocurrency they're all like oh gosh that's all a scam and blah, blah, blah. You know, how, how did you guys convince these people to invest in this project? I mean, uh, the, we don't have any, any banking investor partners. We have uh, bank, pa banking partners that provide us with infrastructure for, for like uh, holding a reserve and uh, managing the bonds and stuff like that. And I mean, those partners, as anyone who has tried to withdraw money to a real bank uh, knows, they they don't you don't come by them easily uh, i mean i think i see a small movement now towards banks being more curious about crypto and maybe wanting to open up a little bit to it uh, but there's a lot of um like we we took a lot of meetings to to <laughs> to get the partners we have now a lot of meetings and uh talked to a lot of a uh, lot of banks that were not interested before we 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 finally landed a few so it it's essentially just a a ton of work I bet. I bet. Yeah, it does sound like a lot of work. 
I mean, it's a it's an it's an issue. You also see like across the whole ecosystem. If you have a an organization working in crypto, they oftentimes they have issues getting a simple bank account. It's um it's a it's it's rather annoying. Uh, so yeah, and then we have that issue times uh, five. <laughs> yes, um, I do have Tehran up here. Maybe Tehran has a question for the team. Go ahead, Tehran. Uh, I did have a question. Yes. Uh, first of all, Gaines and Haas, uh, thanks again for hosting the space. You guys do a great job. I love these things. I try to tune in for as many as I can. But my question was, I've heard a lot of good things. I like a lot of what I heard um, here in this space. It sounds like a great project that I um, support and get behind. But a lot of what I was hearing sounds fairly centralized with everything being fully backed, which is good. Regula regulatory compliance, which I agree is inevitable and good. Um, you, you know, you have, there, there seems to be a lot of centralization. So uh, I guess my question is kind of two part is, are you as centralized as you sound? And if you are, that's fine. Uh, what, what, what's your defense of that, I guess, is the best way to ask. And then is there a plan to become more decentralized in the future? I mean, that's the that's the nature of uh, this type of uh, service that you have an asset backed uh, stablecoin, you need to, you need to have a uh, bank accounts and the legal entities and stuff like that. So I mean, I think uh, centralized is a, is a strong word to use. I mean, the product can be used uh, permissionlessly across uh, blockchains and ecosystems, right? If you have a euro on Avalanche, you can you can use that as you as you want. We we can't uh, really do anything to limit that. Um, I, I I prefer that needs to to work and operate and be compliant and all that. Um, I would say, I mean, we 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 look a lot like uh, the USDC stablecoins and to some degree the Tether stablecoin, right? Which I think uh, it's tough to understate the importance of, for example, Tether in the crypto. I don't think we would have seen the 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 gains people have had without Tether um, being available. So I think that this model, even though people pretend to not uh, like a centralized uh, word i mean it's it's a uh, completely necessary um to for the whole uh, for the whole industry to have these kind of uh, offerings and of course i mean it's not to say that i'm against the decentralized offerings or the ones that look decentralized at least but uh, it's um i think it's important to have uh, the both kinds essentially I think uh, people sometimes forget how important the interface between between traditional banking and crypto is. Like the interface that, for example, ex centralized exchanges maintain for us, so we can take money out and pay our rent and stuff like that. It's a. Uh, it's. I guess it's sometimes people ignore a little bit how much work goes into having to maintaining that really, really important uh, part of the industry. I don't. I don't disagree with any particular point. Uh, that's that's all sounds well and good. I guess like to to hone in on my question, like what what measures? Like obviously, there's going to be like basics of multi-sig wallets, but like having um, that centralized. Uh, again, that, that that's a dirty word. I don't mean to keep using it, but like that single point of failure where you know um, a hacker or a government or any other kind of bad actor has a single point of failure. What uh, I'm just curious. What specifically? does e-money do to prevent uh, access to that single point of failure? Or I'm really, I guess I'm not really sure how to ask my question. I'm kind of just rambling here, but um, 
yeah, it's just a concern that I have because decentralization is huge with me personally is what I invest in and how I operate. So I'm just curious as to what steps have been taken or are going to be taken to try to alleviate some of those anxieties about a single point of failure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, essentially the whole idea of uh, staying up to date on regulation and being compliant and all that is part of uh, is part of this, right? So you could say if, like, if very theoretically, if the EU legislation changes enough that that uh, our service would be completely impossible to to run, then we would be able to 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 shut it down in an orderly fashion and get people their money back because their money in a bank account, right? So that's kind of the absolute. Insane worst case uh, you can you can draw up with regards to the centralization, but I mean uh, a lot of uh, like the measures we take with uh, regards to compliance and regulatory uh, adherence is is to to prevent this centralization from being a handicap. Uh, we could say, um, and I mean it's an it's an issue you have with. Uh, quite a number of the top 10 tokens, right, uh, of uh, CoinGecko. You have them with similar issues with USDT, USDC. I don't remember if uh, Binance USD is still in the top 10, but uh, things like that, right? They, we have to accept that these kind of sort of centralized services are just an inherent part of the industry. And, uh, of course, each one comes with a risk, but the cent- decentralized offerings also come with their own set of risks. That, uh, so it's, it's a matter of uh, when you pick your stable coins, like, first of all, diversify, make sure you don't put all your eggs in, in, in a single basket. Uh, it's also a matter of like picking the devil you can live with. So with a centralized stable coins, you, you, you do your research and hope that the, the people behind it uh, are not going to suddenly... <laughs> take the money and run and if if they do like uh, you probably are they anonymous or are they not anonymous with uh, decentralized offerings i mean you have a you have the risk that uh, maybe the model doesn't work like uh, we saw uh, what was last year iron finance uh, suddenly vanished uh, stuff like that so i mean there are trade offs with every every model essentially so people need to do their research, diversify, and then see what kind of uh, risks they can live with. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys letting me talk. No yeah, problem. no worries. Thanks for a good question. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting discussion to have as well, uh, for sure. And Henrik, um, Tricky kind of explained the way e-money works uh, to me, and it kind of makes sense. It's more like a like a hybrid model, right? And to make it a hybrid model, it has to be you know, it has to it has to have some sort of like uh, regulation in order to, in order to it to work. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if you we are depending on being able to hold uh, a lot of money in bank accounts and buying bonds for those accounts, and that means we need to interface with the existing banking system. And to do that, uh, I mean, you need to have a. A legal entity like a company and you need to do the kyc and you need to hand in the passports and all this really boring boring stuff uh so so yeah that's necessary for the model uh but then on the other hand it provides some some nice securities i would say it has some nice properties that uh, i mean the, the tokens are completely backed right like uh, you could do a complete bank run on uh, on our stable coins and people would still be be left with a <laughs> with all that money, uh, things like that. So, I mean, there are trade offs to every model and advantages to every model. 
Um, so it's important to have as many as these kind of services as possible and also explore some of the more exotic ones. Uh, like some of the algorithmic stablecoins are quite exotic, uh, in my opinion. So that's going to be interesting to see how they pan out. Um, and so, yeah, people should choose what kind of uh, what kind of devil they can live with, so to say. <laughs> yeah. And also, and the- Henrik, you know, there's a lot of risk management that I think we in crypto tend to uh, tend to forget, right? I mean, there is a, a whole lot of uh, projects that uh, people invest in, and then all of a sudden they're just gone. They're anonymous teams, and that is where the risk management needs to come into place. And that is where, you know, we poise ourselves to be the circle of the Eurozone. And which is why, you know, the very fact that we, it, it's a huge testament that we work with European banks to hold our deposits. We work with Ernst & Young to provide complete transparency. We are registered with the Danish Financial Services Authority. The entire team is a public team. On top of that, we also have, uh, in our token economics, we have our stablecoin models and a very good staking staking token model with the next generation money token. So when you look at all of that, I mean, it is for an individual person to do that risk uh, assessment and decide which one you would prefer. But as Hendrik said, if there was a bank run and you are holding an EUR or you will get it back, I'm almost certain we cannot say that about several projects, uh, many other stable coins, so to speak. I mean, a couple of years ago, it's a funny anecdote. I uh, I was at a crypto conference and I was talking to someone about the challenge of trading an EUR uh, token that uh, the interest rates are very low. And he was saying like, oh, but you heard about these government bonds you could buy, I think, in, in Kazakhstan or something. and they offered a yield of 10% per year. Why not just buy those and then fixed it? And I mean, it was, uh, I felt a bit like he didn't understand that these 10% was a risk premium, right? It, uh, that's the reason they offered 10% on, on those bonds is because uh, like, uh, there's a very real chance that the, the state of Kazakhstan will uh, face uh, economic difficulties in the not too distant future, things like that. So uh, yeah, I think sometimes... Uh, People are a little bit risk blind in, in crypto. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Haas, you got any questions for the team? No, I was just going to add to that part of it. I mean, yeah, you don't always want to chase like APRs. There's, there's a reason sometimes that like APRs on a certain project are a lot lower because essentially it's almost like profit sharing. Like it's legit profit. It's not just like some inflated token that has really truly no value at that time. It's, it's just like you're, they're giving you more tokens of their token for you to stick around. Not saying that down the road, it's, it's just a different way of tokenomics. Some, you know, like highly inflationary tokens, um, they, they do that because they want you to be a part of that. And you're basically, you're, you're betting on the future of it. You're not betting on the now, because if you're chasing the APRs for the short term, that's how you can completely get wrecked. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that point. And, uh, you know, when you invest into like NGM and we'll just use like Luna and stuff like that, you're actually getting a part of like the, the profit of it. That's what the actual APR really is, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Henry, for the advice on, you know, making sure that you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Because um, I'm sure like a lot of people... Uh, need to know that hey like if you're going to put in money into stable coins kind of kind of spread it out don't just put them all in one type of stable coin 
And especially like, you know, the e-euro that it's fully collateralized, I feel a lot safer, you know, putting my funds in, in a stable coin that's fully collateralized. Shalini, did you have something to say? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I fully agree. I think uh, this was a really good um, Twitter spaces. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the questions. And yeah. Anything else that we should cover before we uh, go ahead and end the space? Anything you guys want to bring up? No, I think we, we covered uh, a lot of ground and had some very substantial uh, questions and discussions. That's super interesting. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good group. <laughs> so nice. Nice discussions. It's a great community, guys. We really like it. <laughs> I believe you guys are going to uh, be doing a giveaway to the listeners, right? Yeah, we actually have the giveaway live right now on our Discord. If you want to participate um, here in the space, if you swipe, if you swipe a little bit to the right, you'll uh, you'll see a link to our Discord. Just click on that link, and then you guys can participate in the giveaway for forty NGM tokens. Uh, appreciate the team for you know sponsoring the space. And uh, we got a little giveaway for y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks everyone for stopping by. Thanks, Henry. Thanks, Selena. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, Thank thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, everybody. Happy Friday, everyone. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Terrace Spaces, for uh, recording the space. Appreciate you. Have a good one. And don't forget, we have a space later today with Tricky and xlar so tune into that one also we'll be doing another giveaway later tonight at 9 p.m eastern standard time for that space i'm I'm looking forward to that one so much i don't know trick if you want to hop on real quick and talk about it if not i'll end the end the room here in, in just a few minutes all right Tricky's probably busy thank you guys Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Lil Gaines Cosmos Spaces AMA with E-Money, recorded on Friday, April 22nd, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay. Checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap it in this? reality the money comes from doing shows but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows i guess you could rap on cameo i've been asking all my friends if i can rap on the patio six feet motherfucker step the fuck back doing a little magic pulling rabbits out the rucksack not everybody's always in it for the money looking like another crooked sunday and i'm working monday so you know i ain't stressing left debating great methods amazed to play inception the base stay blessed see even with these huge sums of overall royalties sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small. Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent each time someone listens to one of their tracks, leaving only some portion of that for the actual artist. They can say they're making pennies, pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses. Now we're on the fence, like we forgot how to choose. That's what happens when people don't.
Don't know what's true in the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabbit dog Like a fake mate and call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music Spaces.